the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. A story about a worship ministry on death row, and later some states are suing Meta. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Monday evening. Hopefully, you're headed to a wonderful, wonderful weekend. We're so glad that you're with us. If you've missed any of this week's shows, we always love to invite you to go back, catch up on the old podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We also enjoy engaging with you on social media. We are at Common Good Talk on Facebook. Brian, I ran across a story that I actually um, saw on Christianity Today about an execution involving a death row prison ministry. I don't know if I have all the details, but I thought it was so fascinating. Can you fill us in on that? Yeah, it's over Christianity Today. Uh, It's about a Texas prisoner uh, who leads death row worship, as you said, facing execution. His name is Will Spear, and it's this crazy program, right? Uh, in Texas's Allen Polunsky unit, which is a state prison with a maximum security unit. He is scheduled to be executed uh, at some point this week. Mm. Uh, this past Tuesday, Texas denied his application for clemency. Here's what's crazy. Every morning, this guy, Will Spear, leads prayer and worship, sometimes delivering a sermon through prison radio on death row. Wow. Uh, though the men are in solitary confinement for 22 hours a day, they can still sing together through the walls, says Pastor Dana Moore, who has spent years ministering to death row inmates. Uh, in 2021, the Texas Department of Criminal Justice started an 18-month faith-based program for 28 death row inmates called the God Pod, consisting of classes, worship, and rarely fellowship for those normally in solitary confinement. This guy, Will Spear, graduated from the program this year and became the first, quote, inmate coordinator for the God Pod program, which meant he could teach classes and mentor others. Now, he was convicted of murdering somebody when he was 16, sentenced to life in prison as an adult. And then in 2001, he was convicted of, of murdering a fellow prisoner, and he says the murder was to get gang protection in prison, and therefore he was sentenced to death. He says that mitigating information was not shared with the juries, uh, that there's some other stuff. And so a lot of people were reaching out on his behalf, basically saying, listen, this guy has changed. This guy has been – look at what he's doing Nobody is saying he should be released. Nobody yeah, is saying yeah, he should yeah. be put in medium security. Like right, right, right. First thing. But to me, this just highlights <sighs> the um, complications of the death penalty, right? Yeah, like, that's such a good way to put it, Brian. Literally, this guy has been transformed by this prison ministry mm-hmm. uh, and is to the point that he's now leading. Yeah. But he still could not secure clemency and uh, and is now set to be executed. Uh, it might have already happened. I'm going to look this up while we talk. Oh, yeah. Um, it's – I know still, it's – And so ahead. some people real fast, some people out there are going, hey, he, he did the crime. He's got to pay for it. Mm. And other people are going, um, no, he's – this is transformation. Right. This is right. what we believe can right. happen. Right. 
what are we doing? Right. I think this one story highlights for people whether you're pro or against the death penalty. You know, the hard part to me, too, is to think about, you know, his execution happening. And now there's a big gap, right? So here's a guy been leading worship, being on the radio, uh, doing sermons, bringing hope to the other prisoners who are in solitary confinement. Suddenly there's a gap there and the ripple effects of that. Like now where are they going to like receive their Bible sermons? And now who's going to lead them Mm -hmm. in worship? Like, I think it's not just like, I mean, this is a devastating story for this guy, but I think the ripple effects of the death penalty in this particular situation are like, I mean, just devastating. And I'm with you. It's not like anyone's saying move him down from a high security prison, mm-hmm. but I, I just struggle with the death penalty for, for some of these reasons in a situation like this, where obviously there's been transformation. Now we're not saying we're, he's not guilty. We're not saying set him free. Right. Like, but, but allow this, this guy to pursue the ministry God has given him. And to stop that is so sad. And that's what makes this difficult is, you know, the state can't go, well, he's a Christian now. No, right. Of course not. Yeah. But you do wish that you could look at this and go, listen, um, there's tragic loss of life in this at his hands. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's weird. Even the victim's families are like, don't kill him. Don't kill him. Wow. Wow. I think for all of us, for those of you who, I know there's good arguments for Mm -hmm. the death penalty. But for me, um, setting aside the fact that it's been documented that innocent people have been put to death. Yeah. Because uh, this isn't an innocent guy. He Will Spears yeah. not innocent of yeah. his crimes. He's just yeah. changed. He's yeah. just a different person. Yeah. And sure, there's mitigating circumstances from his abuse of childhood that led to this. But mm-hmm. even setting that apart, yeah, you wish that we can look at this and go, okay, he has a 25-year track record of of transformation when this is what we're searching for in yeah. the the judicial system. And totally. As Christians, as Christians, this is what we hang our hat on yeah. is transformation. And so for me, uh, this highlights why I tend to be against the death penalty. Mm-hmm. Like what if they had, what if they had executed him right after his crimes? None of this would have None ever of this happened. Would have happened. What if, yeah. um, and what is being valued? What is the gain that, in the execution right, here. Right. What is the I, so, I think I that's what I'm struggling with. Issue, yeah. It, right. It's complicated. You and I are several degrees shy of our judge <laughs> and law. Degrees, yeah. Right. Like we, we understand that, but I do think there's like a pastoral way to consider this, which is um, that it is highly complicated that we have gotten it wrong. And, and if, if we're, we if we are seeing change, which is what the judicial system is supposed to be about, I mean, these are the stories that like people want to see come out of prison reform, right? Then right. to just end it, end it without any, I don't know. I, I, I struggle with the death penalty too, Brian. And, you know, somebody might have to come in with a pretty strong argument to convince me otherwise, but I just feel like we've said this before on the show, but as pro-life Christians to be pro-death penalty. And I feels incongruent and this is a this is an example of why like god is doing something and god is using him to minister to other prisoners and you would like to think that we yeah you'd like to think that we ultimately believe in transformation whether it's 25 days or 25 years yeah 
So therefore, why would we want to end the life? Um, it, it, like you said, I think incongruent is I understand all the arguments. Yeah, this, sure. This will now research shows that it doesn't add any level of deterrence to people in right. committing these crimes. But right. there's that theory. And there's also the idea that, you know, an eye for an eye, justice, all sure. of this stuff. But, sure. Man, this feels like an example of somebody who turned their life around. Mm. And again, nobody's saying let them out. Right. No, absolutely not. But they're yep. saying let them live. Even the victims' yeah. families are saying let them live. And yeah. I wish we had a judicial system that that more tended towards that sort of grace. Yeah. Did you find out, Brian, as you were searching, if his execution had already has already taken place? Uh, I have not. It appears that the legal wranglings are still going on, but that okay. he's about out of the legal mm, gotcha. stuff. But, uh, you know, hopefully a last minute, there's lots of petitions out there for him. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe we'll have an update there. Well, coming up next, uh, interestingly, some states across the United States, of course, are suing Meta. We're going to talk about why when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Brian, we have talked on the show before about, you know, kids and social media, right? We have that conversation pretty consistently, kind of the impact on uh, our kids as users and the addicting mm. behavior and some of the some of the devastating, you know, Surgeon General warnings, really, that it's led to their depression and their anxiety and that kind of thing. I don't know if you heard this story, but... Um, Several states, uh, Colorado, South Carolina, Minnesota, uh, Mississippi, Oklahoma, a few others are all filing some type of lawsuit against Meta for targeting young people with addictive algorithms, specifically on Facebook mm -hmm. and Instagram. And then mm -hmm. on top of that, Meta publicly downplaying the psychological damage its apps can cause. Uh, what I thought was kind of interesting, and, and I'll have to find the exact quote, but there's a place where it's like the response from Meta was like, we're sad about this, but not surprised. Like, I was like, what? Like, that feels a little bit weak to just say that. Now, maybe they've responded with more since I saw that article. But um, I have been wondering at what point parents, states, governments step in and say, okay, enough is enough. Like, right. uh, and apparently I didn't know this, Brian, maybe you did, but in early 2021, Facebook announced that it was planning to develop Instagram kids, a version of Instagram, obviously yeah. that would be aimed at kids younger than 13, apparently lots of backlash. Right. Um, and so they didn't, but I, you know, ultimately the question is, I think there's a few questions. One, Facebook has failed to protect the welfare of children on its platforms. Is that Facebook's responsibility? And can we hold, should we be holding, you know, a meta accountable for these things? I, I kind of have mixed feelings about this. I think, yes, like meta should mm -hmm. be held accountable for mm -hmm. this. And also parents do your job too. That is exactly how I would put it. So yes, on the meta side, we've got to say, hey, they can't just go, well, whatever happens on our site happens. Like right. it's documented that if it's yeah. bad for kids, then they've got to put up guardrails. It can't yep. just be about the bottom line and the money. Yep. Now, what are those guardrails? I have no idea. Um, and it is a yeah. big step to ask a major corporation like that to care uh, yeah. about something other than their investors and their bottom line. Sure, but Ultimately, sure. 
these states are wanting to say, hey, we've got a mental health crisis that in many ways is being fueled by things like Instagram and Facebook for mm-hmm. kids mm-hmm. Um, or for teenagers. And so for the public health, an or a, a company like Meta has to say, we're going to take very seriously the guardrails, the protections, yeah. the this and that, the same way that we've the Surgeon General said you can't sell cigarettes to an 18, yeah. you know, anyone yeah. under 18 or yeah. whatever. With that said, ultimately, this lands in the lap of the parents, Aubrey. Like, yeah, we can't I, say, hey, right. once Meta gets this figured out, my kids are good mm-hmm. and I, I never have to worry. Social media is always going to be a minefield for um, for teenagers and yeah. for all of us, but primarily teenagers. And if you're like, hey, I'm going to just bank on the guardrails of Mark Zuckerberg and his people – that can't be the answer. The answer to this has to be parents, but Meta has to do their part so that kids are protected as best as possible when they're on their space. Yeah. Uh, so it is a both and, but um, I think we would both say it's higher. The, the higher bar here is for parents. I, I think so too, it, especially like I, I was reading at the New York Times, Meta is expected to fight to dismiss the case. Of course they're going to. Yeah. Uh, Colorado attorney general said in a news conference, he particularly filed a lawsuit because he couldn't reach a settlement with the company. Um, it, there, uh, there are some groups going after TikTok as well, which makes sense because a lot of the young people are on TikTok even more than they're on, you know, Facebook and Instagram at this point. But yeah, you can't, I mean, you're right. Like you, I think do your due diligence, you know, states, I think it's good to see some pushback on these, t- uh, technology, you know, big tech, corporations but you know they're going to push against a lawsuit they're not going to really take it seriously ultimately there might be some settlements in the end maybe they'll make some guardrails but i agree with you brian like i think this is a this is a opportunity for parents to be the guardrails to put mm-hmm. guardrails in place to have the hard conversations with kids and protect our kids like i just think I mean, I'm saying this to myself as a parent too, like the data is all there, that this stuff Mm. is just leading to unhealth and devastation in the next generation. And to ignore it any longer is just really, um, man, it might even be sin. You know what I mean? Like Mm. it's, it's certainly, it's certainly apathy and it's certainly not good parenting. So both things, I guess are true. Like yay for these states. And also parents include, I'm pointing the finger at myself here, Aubrey, like make sure your kids are being protected. Yeah. You, you, you we certainly should hold these major companies to task, right? Yeah. Like, they've got to, on some level, have their, the best interest of the society in mind. Yeah. But so often, Aubrey, we look to, um, we look to government, we look to schools, we even look to churches to raise our children when in reality, that's your calling as a parent. So yeah. if you don't think social media can be trusted, get them off it. Yeah, if you're that's not, it. You, or check in on them or have the mm-hmm. conversation. Like you mm-hmm. can't trust that these organizations are going to protect your kids. You yeah. ultimately have been tasked with uh, protecting your children, raising your children, discipling your children. And so take that role really seriously. Get off your own phone, get off your own phone, (laughs) right? uh, engage in your kids' lives Mm. uh, and have the talk. I, and like you said, we're all guilty of this. I haven't talked to my kids about Snapchat or Instagram in a long time. So this is a good reminder. Yeah. Hey, maybe you need to. So we do want to cheer on the States who are trying to hold Meta 
accountable, accountable, but recognizing that that's not where our hope lies and that's not where ultimately the solution is. Yeah, that's good, Brian. All right. Well, speaking of social media, we're going to take a little turn here. I remember how earlier in the week we were talking about you being asked to pray for someone and you couldn't remember the name and like pastors, what do we do in this situation? Well, so I posted that on Twitter or X and it got some funny comments. So I wanted to share those with our people. Stay off social media, but only if you're on the common good talking about this. There you go. Um, go. Okay. So somebody said, this was your idea, Brian, introduce name tag Sundays. And they say as a way to quote, be welcoming to new folk, but really the pastor saying, but like, it's about you too, to help you remember. Um, This one was kind of serious, but it ended up being funny. Uh, Pastor says, as a dyslexic, I really struggle with names. Sometimes I'll just pray in the plural. Lord, we need your help. We ask that you would give us discernment, wisdom, peace, or yes, I thank you for, I thank you for my brother or (laughs) Lord. Please help. What's his name? <laughs> so, you know, That's some funny. people are making jokes like, hey, buckaroo. Um, this one I thought was funny. This one I thought was a good technique here. Remind me how to pronounce your name again and hope it's not Bob. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought I know that was that was pretty good. Somebody just flat out said, I just typically ask them to remind me and then I apologize. Like, okay, good for you. Lots of people say name tag. Yes. Name tag Sundays, name tag November. You know, other people are chiming in with like sport, you know, other nicknames like that. But pretty funny. We got some we got some conversation going on that one, Brian, because clearly this is something that other pastors deal with as well. I like name tag November though. I think that's I the think I'm on to something. I think that's the winner right there. Hey, coming up next, it's Friday. You know what that means. We're gonna do one of our favorite things to do each and every week. That is a top five list. We got another Halloween themed one for you. Stick around for that. You're listening to the common good on AM eleven sixty. Hope for your life. Halloween coming up next week, whether or not you celebrate it, we hope you enjoy candy. And so we have decided to make our top five list of the week Halloween candy related. What are the top five Halloween candies? Mm -hmm. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. Mm. Brian, you ready with this? I am so ready and I'm hungry reading. I know I'm kind of hungry too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This does make you a little bit hungry. All right. What is your number five Halloween candy? My number five candy. And I'm trying to stick to ones that you actually get in. That's smart. That's smart. Yep. Like I love Twizzlers, but I don't really get a ton of Twizzlers. Like I don't. My Ooh, don't I do those little packs. Those like little packs right. of them. Yeah. They're going honorable mention for me. Okay. Uh, my number one, I'm going gummy bears, little packets oh, of gummy bears. I like I love, that too. Love gummy bears. And those little packets are just small enough that you're like, I got them. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Okay. My, my number five might be controversial because it might be a lot of people's number one, but I, here's why it's my number five. I think it's an amazing candy, but I have a son who's very allergic to uh, peanuts. Mm. So I'm going to throw in Reese's peanut butter cups because they're amazing. And I love those little bitty ones you get on Halloween, but they're not my number one because my son could die. So that's where they are. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You got to laugh to keep from crying sometimes. 
can you eat them anywhere in your house or is it like a- yeah if we like stay away from him we wash our hands we brush our teeth like we're cautious about it but oh yes we will okay. definitely eat them on okay. halloween oh yes uh number four for me the hundred grand bar oh I love the little mini hundred grand bar chewy little that's bath. a that's good a that's a good candy bar i kind of forgot about that until you mentioned it love the yeah that's a really good one all right i'm gonna go with um i'm gonna go with the kit kat for my number four i love a good kit kat i love the crunchiness in it so that's gonna be my uh number four okay my number three uh little packs of skittles i like the traditional skittles the original the red one not like oh we went with this new purple one yeah nope give me my normal skittles okay and uh yeah i love a good bag of skittles yes good bag of skittles i like the grape the grape skittles i don't like all the flavors but that that is a good one you know because we're an allergy family we put the i don't know if you know about the teal pumpkin uh kind of movement but for allergy families you put a teal pumpkin outside of your house that says our house is allergen free candy so for us it's usually dum-dums like that's kind of one of the only allergen friendly candy um sometimes there's some certain gummies you can do uh they can have red dye in them so for some kids that can be a problem but um so it's not we don't we're not the best house with the best candy you know what i mean (laughs) it just sort of is what it is we've given away in the past we've given away prizes stickers little you know cheap toys that kind of thing in lieu of candy or we've had the alternative like options for both if you have allergens and you can't have this here's a prize what do you guys usually give out? Toothbrushes and gospel tracks. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, Carrie usually goes and gets the cheapest big bag of candy. Yeah, she can totally. Get. Then, yeah, totally. When our kids were little, this was really funny. We went, you know, you just leave it in a bowl out in the front, like on the front step. Yeah. And because we wanted to go around. With yeah, kids, you want to go so we run around. around with our kids. And I was about two houses down and I saw a kid emptying our, our thing. And I sprinted and I started yelling <gasps> at him. Little I, punk. Yep. It was, I felt so proud of myself. Carrie was like, what are you doing? I'm like, he's not stealing all our candy. Mm-mm. We're not going to be that family. One year, a friend of mine put out, did that and had it in a really cool, like giant cauldron and somebody stole the cauldron. That's, that's bad. That's, that's you ruined Halloween people. All yeah. right. What number are we on, Brian? Three. We are on number three. Okay. I got so much chocolate. I feel like I need to change up my list, but I am going with a Twix bar. I love, mm. love Twix. And I would like one right now, actually. So you just gave a look into my number two. Oh, my number okay. two is I also love a Twix bar. And the other beauty of Halloween size Twix is they're little. Like, so you can. Yeah, eat them. they're little. Yep. So how do you eat a Twix? Sometimes I eat it by like biting the bottom off first. Yes. Like the part, and then eating the, and other times I eat it just like a, like just all together. I like doing that too. I like doing kind of the layers of it for some reason. I don't I do know too. why, but it like makes it last longer and it's kind of, I don't know, kind of fun and different. So, yep. Um, mm. Okay. Uh, my turn, right? Number two. Okay. Number two. I am, man, I'm, I'm going more chocolate here. Um, I just like a good old fashioned Hershey's chocolate bar. Like they're no, just, they are just so delicious. I like that. I just think the plain is good. Speaking of that, my husband and I are in like this funny debate right now. He says he wants food more plain. Like he's like, I don't know. I don't want it flavored. I want it plain. I'm like, what are you talking like what would about? Be an example so like a chili. Here's a chili. Okay, you make a chili. 
generally put some chili seasoning in it or, or whatever to give it the chili flavor. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I just want it more like flavor free. Like he wants like a bowl of meat and beans, basically. I'm like, babe, that's terrible and boring yeah. and like not good cooking. I don't know. And he doesn't like spice. So that might be some of what he's talking about. He doesn't want it spicy, but he keeps talking about plain as a flavor. Can you just make it like, good plain? Like, no. Is he like into eating vanilla ice cream these days? And like, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. I think it's okay. it, something's That's happening with his taste buds. A, <laughs> uh, I guess I listed, I guess now I have two honorable mentions because we have okay. the licorice. Love licorice. Uh, mm, also so picked good. the little bags of Swedish fish. I love Swedish oh, fish. Yeah. Sometimes the bags are too small. That's why yeah. only Mauer will mention, but yeah. I love Swedish fish. How about yep. your honorable mention? So I have one, and this is a little controversial. I don't like this normally, but sometimes at Halloween they do fun flavors that I like. That's the Tootsie Roll. Like if you roll. if you get a soft, like vanilla flavored, kind of orangey flavor, like different Halloween flavored Tootsie Roll, and they're soft. I don't sometimes they get old and they harden, you know. But the, I like I, the classic chocolate one, though. I don't, I don't really. Like yeah, I, I don't really like the classic ones, but I like the flavored ones. So those are honorable mention for me. Okay. Okay. All right. Number one. Number this one. Is number one for me on Halloween. This is number one for me at the movie theater. This is number one for me across the board. On Halloween, there'll be little boxes of Milk Duds. Oh, yeah. You love Milk Duds. That's right. Love, love, love yeah. Milk Duds. You know what I need to add to my honorable mention now that you mentioned Tootsie Roll? Tootsie Roll Pops. Yeah, like Tootsie Pops are great. Yes, like that those. is their like flavoring those. is so good. But my number um, one, my number one will always be Milk Duds. Yep. So I went the same route as you, uh, Brian. My number one is the candy I like all the time at the movie theater when I have this. When I have candy, this is what I get. You said this earlier on your list, but for me, it's Twizzlers. I mm. love, love, love Twizzlers. My kids know to give me all the Twizzlers. They get trick-or-treating. You know what I really love? I've told you this before on the show. You can't ever find this anywhere, especially not on Halloween. But every once in a while, you can find a grape licorice, grape crush licorice, or sometimes Twizzlers will come out with like a mix of like grape and strawberry. It's very rare, but it does happen. I love that. I wish there That's was. Good. I wish there was more of that in. Okay. Now I'm all we've done in is the make world. me hungry. All we've done is make me hungry. All we've done is make both of us hungry. Well, we'll be back again on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. For Brian Fromm, I'm Aubrey Sampson, and you've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.